Now that we're in the new year, we're going to begin back with our study in Hebrews. And when we left off, we ended by looking at Abraham and Sarah. And we looked at the, the faith that they demonstrated as uh, the Lord was beginning to answer promises, beginning to answer promises, and that's key uh, to where we're going today. The message this morning is titled, A Journey Forward, which I think is an appropriate title, considering that this is the first Sunday of the new year. However, this sermon is not really about the new year. This sermon is tied particularly to this passage that we're looking at today, which is Hebrews chapter 11, verses 13 through 16. Now, what I intend to do this morning is I'm going to read the passage, and then we're going to break it apart step by step. And what we're going to look at is the perspective of some of these Old Testament saints and what their perspective had to be on the promises of God, and how we, in our current context, our historical context, our context within redemptive history, how we can apply their frame of mind uh, to our lives. Now, in 2005, a Christian folk musician, Andrew Peterson, and you've probably heard that name before because I talk about him a lot, uh, he's probably my favorite musician. He's not the greatest musician uh, on the planet, uh, but he's my favorite primarily because of how he is able to tell stories. I love the way he tells a story, both in song and on paper. And in 2005, I was introduced uh, to, to him through his album entitled The Far Country. That's the, that was the name of the album, and I thought that was a fairly obscure name for an album. And the title track, which is actually the very first track on the album, is actually called The Far Country. And I have to admit, when I heard it the first time, I was not that impressed. And so another buddy of mine recommended this musician to me. He said, you're going to love it. You, you love stories. You love good writing. You love good music and all of that sort of thing. You're going to really enjoy this. And so I took it on, my, on, on, uh, on, on his, on good faith, that I was going to enjoy it. And so I bought this album back when you bought albums. Right, and so, and it wasn't a big old vinyl; it was on a CD. I don't even know if I have CDs anymore, uh, but I bought this called "The Far Country," and this title track speaks of the life of the sojourner, specifically Abraham, and how the Scripture describes him passing through that he was a foreigner in a distant land, and the far country is actually not the destination that he was heading to, the far country is actually the place he lived in now. And in fact, the far country is where we live right now. Let me read just a, a, a couple, a few lines from this song. It says, Father Abraham, do you remember when you were called to a land and didn't know the way? Because we are wandering in a foreign land. We are children of the promise of the faith. And I long to find it. Can you feel it too? That the sun that's shining is a shadow of the truth. This is a far country, a far country, not my home. I love the words. 
And the more I listened to that song and the more I just let the words resonate, I just, I absolutely grew to love it. And I listened to it again last night. It came to me. In fact, I sent Amber the, the words. I said, if you can please put this on the PowerPoint. If you can't, no worries. But I was really hoping that. Thank you so much, Amber. Because um, it didn't come to me until yesterday that this is a perfect song for this message today. Because what it talks about is the fact that Abraham was called out, and we've already read about this in Hebrews, is that he was called out of his homeland and he was that God made him promises. He said, go this way, go this way, and I will make the generations that follow you more numerous than the stars in the sky. And so without questioning God, Abraham picks up his family, picks up everything that he knows, and he leaves venturing on in faith that God would be what? Faithful in answering his promises. But the fact remained that Abraham was, even in that place, was in a far country. He was a sojourner passing through, heading for a place that was home, that he was not home at that moment. And that's who we are. We are sojourners. We are individuals who have been placed at this time and this season in history, in the place that we are, we have been planted, but only for a moment. It's only for a moment. But there is something that we have been created for that is greater than what we are experiencing now. And I love the line in this song where he says, and I long to find it, can you feel it too, that the sun that's shining is a shadow of the truth. It's a shadow of it. So there's something real about it. It's obviously real, but the sun that is shining is pointing to something greater. You know what that's like when you see a shadow on the ground, that that shadow is, it's there, it's real, but there's something even more tangible, something that you can put your hands on, something that you can embrace, right? But the shadow's not it. The shadow is not what we're chasing. We're chasing the sun, right? And that's what that song's for. We'll get back into that song a little bit later as we close. But that's sort of what this passage talks about. So I'm going to read the, the passage this morning from Hebrews chapter 11, verses 13 through 16. The author writes, These all died in faith. Now, who are these? Just so we know. He's talking about Abel, he's talking about Enoch, he's talking about Abraham, Noah, Sarah, all those individuals that the author has already mentioned. That's who he's talking about. These all died in faith, although they had not received the things that were promised. But they saw them from a distance, greeted them, and confessed that they were foreigners and temporary residents on the earth. Now, those who say such things make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they were thinking about where they came from, they would have had an opportunity to return. But they now desire a better place, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Let's pray. Father, it is my hope and my prayer that myself and our church would be a people of faith, such great faith that we would not be bogged down in the temporary and the momentary, but that we would be focused 
on what lies ahead, on a distant land, on a better promise, on a better land, on that city that you are preparing for us, Lord. And the city is made heavenly and eternal and perfect and wonderful, not because of the city itself, but because of who is in the city, and namely Christ. And so we are looking for that moment, that time, that day, when we are face to face with Jesus in his presence for all eternity. And I am looking forward to that day. As every evening passes into morning, we are one step closer to seeing the face of Christ. Lord, we love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And so Andrew Peterson wrote that song, and that kind of just, it just stirs my heart every time I hear it, every time I read those words, uh, to think about that. You know, and as Christians, we have often been told and taught and instructed that this world that we live in right now is not our home. I think everybody in here has often heard others say, pastors preach, taught, instructed, that this world is not our home that we were created for something else, that this is temporary, but there is something that is going to be eternal, that this, the temporary is passing away and that the eternal is coming. We have been created for something far more impressive and far more eternal, a land that will never pass away and that is characterized by the presence of Christ. But far too often, even though we know that, if I gave you a multiple choice quiz right now, every one of us in here would get that question right. If I asked you, is this place our home? We'd all say, no, heaven is our home. Or if you want to get real technical, real theological, you'd say, well, technically the new earth is our final home, right? And I would pat you on the back and applaud you, and secretly we'd be best buddies. But the truth is, all right, the truth is, that we'd all get that right because we've all been taught that, all right? That this is not our home. Unfortunately, far too often do we not plant ourselves so firmly in the land that we are now in, so firmly in this land that we are now in, that we neglect looking forward to that eventual home. We lose perspective we lose sight of our final destination because we are so overcome with what this temporary world has to offer. We talk about this all the time. Pastors harp on it all the time. They harp on the dangers of devoting ourselves to the temporal, temporal relationships, materialism. We just got through Black Thanksgiving, Black Friday, and Christmas the national holiday month for all retail outlets, right? I mean, celebrating purchasing and all those sorts of things. I mean, it's, it's that kind of, and so it's oftentimes in the new years when the pastor will start harping on materialism and all that kind of stuff. That's not what I'm going to harp on this morning. It's the idea though. It's this idea that we as Christians need to be careful in planting, on our, planting ourselves so firmly in a place and all of its trappings that are temporary, that are absolutely temporary. The materialism, the prosperity, the comfort. And here's the thing. This is why it's so dangerous. Because materials, objects, 
things that we buy, things that we, that we enjoy, comforts, even prosperity, those things in and of themselves are not bad things. They're just things. They're just things. But to prioritize them above all things Christ and all things spiritual, that's when it becomes dangerous. And so the danger is not that we have stuff. It's the danger that we neglect Christ for the sake of stuff, for the sake of comforts, for the sake of prosperity. And then we run into the danger of imagining and believing and living as if this is our permanent home. That's the danger. This is not our home. This is the far country. This is the far country. Every single one of us in here are foreigners. Every single one of us in here are simply passing through. We are like Abraham in that, in, uh, in that respect. We are passing through. You have been planted in this place at this time in history for a purpose. And the purpose was not to settle in and make this place your permanent home forever. Your purpose is to glorify and to magnify Christ with the time that you have. And if we get distracted by all the stuff and all those secondary and tertiary things in the world, then we get distracted from the main goal. In our passage today, the author is drawing our attention to and all the way back to the beginning of the chapter to capture this perspective of the individuals that I've already mentioned, like Abel and Enoch and Abraham. And the idea is that while these biblical characters did die before receiving the promises that were made to them, they still died in faith because they were looking forward and they were journeying forward to those promises. It is oftentimes true that as Christians, we have been called to a particular ministry to, on a particular journey that we will not complete. We will not complete that journey. We will not complete that ministry. How many ministers, pastors, preachers, Christians, missionaries, whatever it might be, were called to a ministry that they never saw the ultimate fruits of, but they committed their lives. I'm thinking of the missionary who's called to be a first-time missionary to a distant land, proclaiming and bringing the Word of God to people who know nothing of Christ. And they go and they struggle and they toil and they labor over sharing and witnessing for Christ. And they die on the mission field seeing very little fruit in the way of conversion and gospel expansion, but only to see in the future generations magnifying Christ because they were initially faithful. Think of small churches planted by pastors because they had a vision for the gospel 
going forward in a specific location, and those pastors move on or pass away before the eventual fruits of that ministry come, come around. But several generations forward, what happens? This ministry is just exploding, and the gospel is going forth. That's Abraham. That's Abraham. That's Sarah. That's Abel. That's Noah. That's all. I mean, imagine Noah. Noah ends up being the last person, not the last, but you get the idea, right? There's like five of them, right? On this boat, and then they land on dry land. Noah doesn't survive that much longer after that. And then what happens? His faith is still being talked about. It's still being preached on January 3rd, 2021. We are still learning from the faith that Noah had, from the faith that Abel had, from the faith that Enoch had, which is only mentioned in like two verses. And we're still talking about it because they had the keen perspective and insight and faith to look forward and not back, to not dwell on what they were lacking, but dwelling on what was in the future, what God had promised. We too are looking forward from a far country to our home which Christ is now preparing for us. So let's quickly walk through this text. We're going to pick it apart, and I want to give just some, some suggestions on how to walk on this journey forward and not get stuck in place, and even worse, get stuck looking backwards. Because that's a danger that we all face. So let's look at a faith from afar, this fir these first verses here. It says, these, these all died, Abraham, Sarah, Abel, all these folks. These all died, although they had not received the things that were promised. So Abraham and all these individuals, they died. They had not yet received what had been promised. Now, what had been promised? In, in, in general, all right, specifically, they had been promised that their generations would outnumber the stars, right? That was the general promise. They had been promised, all right, that, that basically their family, all their descendants, would cover the land as sand on a seashore. That's what they had promised. Folks, Abraham didn't see that. Abraham didn't see that. Noah didn't see anything like that. Isaac, Jacob really didn't see that. They saw the beginnings of it. And if they had not demonstrated faith while alive, we would not have seen it either. But they did. It says they died in faith, although they had not received the things that were promised. You know, it's funny. God never promised them that they would see that. They, he just promised that it was going to happen. He didn't say they were going to survive all the way through it, right? And here's the ultimate promise being answered, is that all those stars, one of those stars was Christ. One of those grains of sands was Jesus. By the way, one of those stars is you. One of those grains of sand is you. So they died in faith, although they had not received what, were, what was promised. And then it says here, the author writes, but they saw them from a distance. What does that mean, that they saw them from a distance? 
Does that mean that Abraham had some sort of like foreknowledge, like he was a soothsayer or that he was some, like he had some sort of crystal ball and he could see it? That's not what the author is talking about here. What does it mean that he saw it from a distance? Here's what it means. Quite simply this, that God made a promise and Abraham believed. That Abraham believed in that promise, that God would be faithful that Abraham believed that even if he did not see his generations outnumber the stars, he believed and could envision this occurring, this happening. So it says, but they saw them from a distance. And then it says this, he greeted them. What does that mean? It means that he celebrated that. God, I may not see your promises be answered in full, but I welcome them coming. I welcome them. And if all I am is a seed to be planted, but the fruit to be harvested later, let that be my role. Let that be my role. We should all have that mentality. We should all have so many of us, so many of us are so impatient that we want to start something, we want to finish something, and we want it all done in the same day, but we don't have the patience to bear out through that journey and to see the workings of God through all of that happening. How many times, how many times have Christians, faithful Christians, dedicated themselves to the Lord and but just been the simple seed that was planted, but the fruit to be born later? You know, here's my hope. My hope is that we as Christians get the blessing of receiving the fruit of those who have come before us, but also be the seed for fruit that will come later. That's my hope. That really is my prayer, that that's what we would be. So he saw them from a distance, meaning he trusted God, he trusted in, in, by faith, he greeted them, he welcomed them, and he confessed what does that mean? It means that he understood and he was fine with it that they were foreigners and temporary residents on earth. They knew Abraham understood, Noah understood that all of this that they were doing, that God had called them to, was simply laying a groundwork for something much greater that was eventually going to happen, namely Christ. Think of David. David's entire ministry his entire kingship, his entire reign was not ultimately about him. It was to point to Jesus. Everybody is celebrating King David as, is, as if he is the greatest thing since sliced bread. But his entire purpose on this earth was to point to Jesus, the true king. Imagine that. And I bet that David's fine about that. He's fine with that. David was laying the groundwork. Was he blessed while laying the groundwork? Sure. But he was laying the groundwork for something greater. We have got to be comfortable with that. We have got to be comfortable being okay that we don't see our names in lights. We've got to be okay that we are not going to be the ones receiving the glory. As Christians, we have got to be okay living a life in humble anonymity, knowing that Christ is going to receive all the glory in the end. We've got to become, and if we are comfortable with that, folks, I am telling you, 
I am promising you this. If we are comfortable moving forward in that fashion with that kind of faith and that kind of humility, folks, we can, we can do anything that God lays before us and that God calls us to. And you know what? You'll have more joy doing it. You'll have more joy doing it. And confess that they were foreigners and temporary residents on earth. Are you comfortable right now just laying the groundwork? Just being a seed planted for something that is going to come later. Be comfortable with that. Relish that. Be comfortable in the ministry that God has planted you in. So they had faith from afar, even though they saw these promises from a distance. Secondly, they didn't turn back. Now, catch this. It says, now those who say such things, talking about Abraham and Abel and all them, now those who say such things make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. Now, what that means is, is that they were not just treading water. They were not just running in place or walking in place. They were seeking a homeland. Now, we could say that that is quite literal, for instance, like Moses and those in the end were, were heading to the promised land. They were going somewhere. We could say that about Abraham. But I don't think the author intends for this to be literal here. I think what it intends is this, is that they know that they are foreigners in a distant land, meaning all the, the earth that they are on is a far country, but they are headed to a homeland, which is where God is, where Christ is. Rain. That's the homeland that they are headed to. It's not some sort of literal homeland that they're headed to, but they are on a journey, and their journey is to be in the presence of their Father. Even in the Old Testament, it doesn't really refer to God as Father. It's that kind of mentality. I want to go home. I want to go home. Even when young couples move, they get married, they have kids, and they move away, right? They move away. What do they do when it comes to Christmas time? Where are you going for the holidays? I'm going home for Christmas. Why? Because <laughs> that's their home. That's where their mother and their father is, right? Home is where Christ is. That's home. They were seeking a homeland. But then it says, if they were thinking about where they came from, they would have had the opportunity to come, to, uh, the opportunity to return. So what does that mean? Nothing was stopping Abraham or Abel or Enoch or Noah from not looking forward, but instead turning around and heading back. Not pursuing, nothing was stopping them from not pursuing what they were called to do. They could have turned around and stopped at any moment. It's just too hard. Noah. God, this is just too hard. This boat is too big. I don't even know what gopher wood is anyway. That's a weird word, all right? This too big. I don't have enough people. You've called me to get too many animals. They stink. This is just, I don't like this, right? They could have turned around and said, I'm not doing this. They didn't. Abraham, God, I know you're calling me to this new land. I don't want to go. I'm really comfortable here. I have all my prosperity here. I have my goats. I got my chickens. I got my ox. I got it all here. I'm going to chill here. We're good right here. 
King David, Solomon. I mean, just name them. I'm comfortable right here. They could have returned, but they didn't. Why? Because they were looking forward. There was no turning back for them. There was no turning back. The only way was forward. And as Christians, for us, the only way is forward. So many of us want to look back at the good old days. Folks, the good old days are gone. Look forward. Look forward and minister where God has planted you. Folks, I'm going to tell you right now, he did not plant you in the 50s to minister in the 50s. For some of us, I know he did at one point. But we're not in the 50s anymore. We're in 2021. Serve God where you are planted, where he is keeping you. Why, let me ask you this, why are we still breathing this morning? It is not because you have been keeping up with your nutrition and you've been exercising and you've been going to the doctor and making appointments and you just have general good health. That is not why you are still breathing this morning. You are still breathing this morning because God is not done with you yet. Your ministry is not through yet. You still have a purpose in God's grand design in serving the nations through the proclamation of the gospel. You're not done. But you might as well be done if you keep looking backwards. There are so many churches right now just begging to get back to normal. I get it. I kind of liked normal, which was over a year ago. Let's forget about doing what's normal. Let's do what we're doing right now. Let's figure out how to minister right now. And then in a year from now, when everything changes again, let's keep moving forward. I don't use this word much in a sermon, but I'm going to use it. We've got to be willing to evolve. The message doesn't. The message never changes. But we're living in a different world in a different context. We can kick rocks all day long. We can run around in circles and we can wish that we were back 30 years, 40 years, 50 years ago, because that's when we remember the heyday, right? Folks, time's not going backwards. We're moving forwards. Keep your eyes ahead and journey ahead. Abraham had an opportunity to turn around. Noah had an opportunity to turn around, but they didn't. They kept their eyes forward. And finally, we're looking forward, but we're not just looking forward. We're looking forward to a better place. Remember in earlier in Scripture, I'm not going to go back into there because we're running short on time, but remember in Hebrews where the author uses these phrases and says that Jesus is what? A better priest? That he's a better king? Remember him talking about that? About, about the author talking about that Jesus was just better in general, right? Well, here we find this verse here in verse 16, and it, the author says this, but they now desire a better place, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. We are so stoked on being in the place that we are that we neglect the fact that there is a much better place for us to exist. When Crystal and I first met back in 2002, was that it? Yeah, Yeah, because tomorrow's our 18th anniversary. So 2002, I had to throw that in there, Crystal. Okay, so 
We met in 2002. We played a little guitar on that first night we met. It was about four or five days before she ever opened her mouth and sang a song, though. So I didn't have any idea. She, they said she could sing pretty, but she could have croaked like a frog, and they were just pulling my leg, okay? The first song that she ever sang, that we sang, I played on the guitar, was Better Is One Day. You all know that song? We're going to be singing it on the 13th. I, I, she doesn't know that yet. We're singing that song on the 13th. That's one of the songs we're going to sing. And the line goes, Better Is One Day In Your Courts. Better is one day in your courts. Better is one day in your courts than what? Than a thousand elsewhere. Than a thousand elsewhere. You take your best day, your best experience, your best moment, whatever that is, you take it. And multiply it by a thousand, by ten thousand, by a million, and it will not compare to that one moment in the presence of Christ. One moment. We are so stuck on today that we are neglecting the fact that there is something better out ahead of us. And I long for that day. Folks, I love life. I love 2020. It was a rough year. I get it. And I thought that my family was going to kind of make it through it somewhat unharmed, right? Somewhat. But then, you know, Crystal's aunt is now on a ventilator in the Frankfurt Hospital with COVID. And I know this is minor in the grand scheme of things, but we had to put our dog down right after Christmas. Folks, I love life. I love all parts of life. But it does not compare to one day in the presence of Christ. Let us look forward. And my hope and desire is that our passion is for telling the truth of the gospel, that we are sinners, but Jesus came to save sinners. He died on a cross for us. May it be that everyone that we meet would be looking forward to just one day in the presence of Christ, then coming to the reality that that one day is an eternity. Can you imagine that? Most of us would be perfectly fine picking our favorite day out of our life and living that day over and over and over. Groundhog Day, right? Bill Murray. We'd be fine with that. Some of us would. But we get something even greater. We get an eternity with days that are infinitely greater than our best day here on earth. Man, I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to that. Everybody is saying that they're looking forward to 2021 being better than 2020. And I'm sitting here thinking, Jesus, just come. Just come. Because we are in the same boat of, as Abraham. We are looking forward to a promise. And that promise is that Christ is returning. Christ is returning. And it's my hope that we're ready for it. Are we ready on this journey forward? Or are we so stuck in the world that we're living in with all the toys and the gadgets and the comforts and all that kind of stuff that we are neglecting the fact 
there's a day that Christ is going to, that we're going to be in the presence of the physical Christ. I am so looking forward to that day.